Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie. And Julian, we always have the Sunday scaries on this show a little bit. It's always a consideration for us as we film it on Sundays. But it's not just the looming work week that's scaring us, as it is Halloween. Halloween parties last night, trick-or-treating happening tonight. Are you a big Halloween guy? So, like, as I've gotten older... I like the idea of having some kind of costume. Uh, I'm trick-or-treat. I haven't done trick-or-treating since like the eighth grade, but uh, I am a fan of the Halloween. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, if you're a grown man and, and you you go out trick-or-treating, I, I, I have questions. I don't know how I'd feel if I saw a 32-year-old man coming over to my door that, you know, was just, hey, I just want candy. I want to be around with the kids especially this year in Montreal where it's like pouring rain. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd much rather the parties. I'd much rather, you know, be around people and, you know, just wear a cool costume and uh, just enjoy myself and enjoy the, the Halloween parties. I'm really big on that. I got lucky this year considering the Canadians uh, played in the afternoon. And then mm. after that, I could go, uh, go party with the people, you know, we'll get together. Okay, dish right? like, dish a little a bit. Party. I mean, we saw, dish a little yeah. bit we saw the costume on but uh, on twitter but you got i mean you gotta uh, someone that needs to live vicariously through you as i'm at this advanced age where we don't do anything <laughs> on halloween uh you gotta at least tell me what happened last night all right cool so uh the costume for people who did not see i dressed up as uh eddie murphy from the movie beverly hills cop uh it's one of my favorite movies of all time i found the uh, the detroit lions jacket i think on etsy I think that's where I found it. It was like a pretty, pretty close to what he had on. And uh, I got my sister to take photos of me in the regalia and just try to match up with some of the movie posters from the uh, the trilogy series. I know there's going to be a fourth one, but it hasn't come out yet. Uh, and then uh, I went to like a get together with a couple friends somewhere downtown. We just, you know, chilled. We're all wearing different costumes. One of my friends actually uh, dressed up as Scarlet Witch from uh, WandaVision, and they got uh, their one of their friends to dress up as uh, another character from the series, Agatha, as well. And, uh, yeah, we were just chilling. It wasn't, like, a big, like, you know, like, 300 en masse, like, party. Like, you know, it's you got you got to behave yourself in COVID times. So, uh, you know, not we're, we're not talking, you know, hundreds of people. It was nice, a nice, intimate chill or get together everybody's wearing costumes and enjoying themselves it's as it's it's as good as it could get in a pandemic when it comes to halloween parties but uh, i'm happy with the costume i had i think it's the greatest costume i've ever had 
ever I, I was had. I was going to ask about the jacket because that jacket did like it looked authentic. It looked real. It didn't look like you slapped some, you know, printed cutout of whatever the nah. logo was. I believe Detroit Lions onto the back of it. That was a real jacket that you could probably wear, you know, beyond the costume. No. Oh, yeah. Like a couple of friends were just like, yo, you should wear this jacket like all the time. But I'm not going to do that because that would make me look like a Detroit Lions fan. I can't think of any other fortune that's worse except for being a Jets fan, which I already am. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Uh, but the jacket is very nice. I, I didn't make it. I found it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to commit to the bit. And I, I I had a lot of fun in that. I even had like this little like ID that has like, because his character's name in the movie is Axel Foley. It has his name, date of birth, has like a fingerprint on the back. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's as legit as I could have made it. I mean, if the Detroit Lions ever make the Super Bowl, then you have something you can pull out and you could be, uh, you know, the star of the Super Bowl, a party you attend in like 2045 when the Lions maybe ever make the Super Bowl, which I'm not convinced I will ever see in my lifetime, but we'll, we shall see. Uh, let's they might not even win a game this year. Anyway, They might not, which would be, you know, in terms of like things that you can accomplish, like the, I, un- or ironically, they accomplished, I think they went 0-16 before. It's like, that, that's the history they're chasing is, uh, is um, you know, terrible form, basically, being the worst Utility. possible team that they could be. The, uh, the Detroit Lions have that down pat. All right, let's get into it. Tough transition because we're trying to be a little bit more offbeat after what was sort of a difficult week in terms of hockey and hockey reporting. Uh, But we do have to continue to follow and address the storyline as it pertains to Kyle Beach as the story continues to evolve. And we're going to have another chapter of that written um, this week. Uh, You and I have discussed the Kyle Beach um, incident and his decision to come forward on our separate channels and also on a a different show uh, on the Yahoo Sports channel. uh, feed but not on this podcast uh we could go back and have that discussion again but i think we should look forward because we've both shared our f- thoughts on different outlets so i think yeah you know th- what should be top of mind for everyone now is where this story is going and i think the next place it's going in terms of checkpoints is uh the nhlpa and donald fear and what his future might look like after the nhlpa has its um I guess it's an executive board meeting. Basically, all the representatives from each team have the option to be a part of a meeting in which they're going to discuss Donald Fear's future. The players will have the option, if they so choose, to get into a, a, a private situation where Donald Fear is not present. And they could, if they if they have the numbers, boot him from his position in the Donald Fear era may be over. And there are grounds for that being the case. There are grounds for Donald Fear being dismissed because as we learned in the Jenner and Block investigation, uh, Donald Fear was contacted twice about allegations related to Bradley Aldrich. He said to investigators that he couldn't recall either conversation, but that they may have happened, which is a very confusing stance from someone in the position that he is in. So your thoughts on the NHLPA getting together uh, different members from each one from each team are going to be discussing his future. Apparently there's a level of anger among the player population as there should be. So what do you expect to happen uh, after Monday's meeting? And if there are future meetings uh, about Donald Fear's future? I would be stunned if Donald Fear still held his position 
at the end of those meetings or whenever it gets to a point where they're able to vote on him being dismissed. Uh, there are, I'm sure there are other things that have happened throughout the Donald Fear era at the NHLPA that other players can point to and make gripes about. But the debacle that is the Kyle Beach, Bradley Aldrich storyline is enough to bring scrutiny onto Donald Fear and even to justify voting him out from his position within the union. I think it's, it's, it was confusing to me to hear that he uh, didn't recall what happened in those encounters when it came to Kyle Beach. And ultimately, it looks bad on him. It's an ultimate letdown. Uh, I mean, we can, we've already gone in on the fact that the Chicago Blackhawks and the National Hockey League did uh, let down Kyle Beach. But mm-hmm. yeah, the NHLPA also was not helpful to this player. And it starts at the top for me with this. So I think Donald Fear, I'd be stunned if almost any player saw any reason to keep Donald Fear in, in charge at the NHLPA. If, if he's going to do that and be negligent on Kyle Beach, what's that going to say for other stuff going forward? Like, I just, I wouldn't have a good taste in my mouth. Uh, and other players have already spoken out about how the NHLPA was not there for Kyle Beach. I, I, I think it's right to, to have them, if you're a player, uh, vote against having Donald Fear continue in the NHLPA. Yeah, it really is inexcusable. And uh, I mean, everyone's trying to pass the buck here. I believe Donald Fear um, has pointed to the fact that it was reported and the person working at the NHLPA who did handle the issue uh, sort of brushed it off. So, it, you know, it, but at the fact, the matter is like anything else in this process, it happened under your wing, under your guidance, under your regime. Donald Fear is ultimately responsible for everything that happens at the NHLPA. And I've said this on, uh, I believe, a previous podcast on this feed, perhaps on Zone Time, um, but I've talked about it a, f- a few times here, is that Donald Fear is no different than Gary Bettman. He is about money only, it seems. It's not about humanity. It's not about the players getting the best treatment when they're done their NHL careers. It's not about them... Uh, you know, avoiding pain medications and use of, of prescription drugs while their careers are going on or after their careers are done. It doesn't seem like he's done anything to help the humanity side for the player population in the NHL. All he's really cared about is fighting for the minimization of escrow or the <laughs> maximum amount of salary cap dollars that are involved in the system from one year to the next. He is a businessman, it seems, at like first and foremost, and maybe that's it. So the heart that someone in this position should have has never been shown by Donald Fear. And I think the players have realized this. And I think the players up until this point might be like, hey, this is what he's here for, just to fight for our dollars. And maybe that was okay then, but it's not okay now. And I guess my only concern is here is that these players are going to meet and they're in the throes of the NHL season. They're very busy and... Alex Kerfoot was, is the Maple Leafs representative. He was asked last night, Saturday night after the game, uh, about his position and his stance going into Monday's meeting. And he said he still had to educate himself on all things before he could provide an answer. Now, maybe he has started the process of educating himself. Maybe he didn't want to answer the question without completely checking off all of his or covering all of his bases and all that. And I get all that. But these guys have a big and important decision to make. And I hope that, you know, all the film and all the travel and everything they have to do as an NHL player doesn't get into the way of the fact that they have to get down to brass tacks here 
and make something happen on Monday. So uh, it just, this is happening at a time where it's not only exp expedited, but all these players are busy with something else. And this needs to be front and center in the minds of these players because this situation right now is critical. Here's what I'll say, though. Uh, while we're not NHL players and we do not go through the rigorous schedules that they have, uh, a silver lining or a positive to them is that we've we in the media have talked about this so much or mm -hmm. TSN or sports that we've talked about this so much. If you're a player and you're trying to educate yourself on everything going on by now, you should be able to find, uh, you know, a synthesis of what's been going on, whether it's reading some story that was, was already out there kind of summing everything up. Uh, you take 25 minutes out of your day and watch the Rick Westhead uh, interview with Kyle Beach as well. If you want some insight there, maybe you don't have to read the 107 page report, but if you have an agent, you could be able to just get him to kind of give you the Coles notes of what happened. While I understand that being an NHL player is, is uh, demanding and you're hopping from city to city, you're trying to focus on your mentality. If your job is to be the player representative uh, frankly, there should be no excuse to, to not educate no. yourself on everything going on, especially now at this point where it's been how many days since we learned who Kyle Beach is, or who John Doe is, and, and the report has been out, the findings have been out, and, and players have, and it was not players, but members of management have already been dismissed from the Chicago Blackhawks through resignations, I understand, but they're no longer with the organization. If you're, if you're an HLPA rep, like, there's no way you should be living under a rock and you don't know what's happening. You should have at least some sense of what's going on. And while I can understand, as you mentioned before, you don't want to necessarily say something that uh, uh, could necessarily just be the wrong thing in the kind of interview setting that Alexander Kerfoot was in, you should be able to educate yourself on what's going on ahead of Monday. Yeah. And I'm sure he will. That wasn't meant to be shade at all. Um, but uh, obviously we've had sort of a closer look and uh, we've, we've been covering it a little bit closer than NHL players have been. Certainly there have been NHL players who have spoken up about this, uh, perhaps not enough, um, but it's on the reps to educate themselves here Sunday before Monday uh, and make a decision. Um, Jeff Merrick on Saturdays, it's not headlines. I believe it's 32 thoughts now uh, on the hockey night in Canada broadcast mentioned Matthew Schneider, excuse me, as a potential replacement. He actually advised Donald Fear on multiple occasions, which I kind of don't like. Uh, but uh, if there is a replacement, maybe he's a front runner. Maybe they should be looking at someone who's completely detached from the situation. That's probably just my opinion. Uh, but I will reserve judgment, I guess, just because that's, you know, it's no reason to uh, say that he can't do the job because he has been in um, Fear's orbit previously. Yeah, all, all I'll say is that um, when it comes to whoever could be coming in to replace Tano Fear, if it gets to that point, mind you, we're not at that point, but it, this person has to be able to fight for players, whether it's money, whether it's uh, any bit of abuse that ever happens again, uh, it just has to be able to fight for players adequately. And we, we already discussed how Donald Fear failed to do that for Kyle Beach and how it could essentially cost him his job, whether it's Matthew Schneider, whether it's somebody else, they can't afford to mess that up for players going forward. Also this week, it's expected that Gary Bettman will address the media, I guess, for the first time since this has all um, come down. Uh, Gary has spoken to Kyle Beach, um, and I believe there's been some, maybe some an action plan, you know, moving from that and uh, some, I hope, some common ground, some 
um, contrition shown to Kyle Beach, I would hope and I would assume. Uh, but that's, you know, just the start of it. Uh, the NHL still has to do its part here. I mean, so far they sort of distanced themselves or itself from the incident and the investigation. They were barely named in the investigation. I'm sure that's Mm -hmm. all on purpose. Um, but what strikes me is that the NHL was under the impression that the issue was far less damning when it was initially reported. So they have to react now to what has happened. And uh, I'm interested to see what happens this week. Certainly Gary Bettman will be doing far less smiling during this press conference than he did several months ago when he was first informed. Uh, But as much as as it's on the players and the Blackhawks and everybody else to do their part, the NHL has to, uh, you know, make its, put its stamp on this situation as well here uh, and do right, obviously by Kyle Beach. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm just as curious as you about this. Like if, if they didn't think it was as damning as what's out now, then what did they learn when they heard about the first time? Because not to go into the details of what was, what was alleged, but you hear that the first time you feel sick to your stomach. What was, what did the NHL learn? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure how they could assume that the issue wasn't as far reaching as it was when it was initially brought to the fore. I mean, it was an allegation of sexual assault from inside the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Maybe the layers of cover up, as we did learn, um, that that wasn't what they the information they were getting. Um, but in any case, that should have been taken very, very seriously. And throughout this entire week, these last two weeks, at least, um, I've been thinking so much about the fact that Gary Bettman could not stop smiling in that press conference. It was, it's actually in retrospect, pretty sickening his reaction. And I think for that reason, he's really got to step up uh, and show some heart, some, you know, I don't even know what he has to show. He's, he's got to step up and do right by this situation because so far his steps through this process have been pretty ugly. But also just listening to what Kyle Beach was saying in, the, in his interview with Rick Westhead and the fact that, you know, yes, you might get it. He's probably going to, he got apologies from the league and, and, and the Chicago Blackhawks. But I came away from that interview thinking I have no faith that his former team, his former league or, or anyone in these high positions are really going to do all that right by him. And I don't think I'm alone in, in thinking that. So while, you know, it's good on, Gary Bettman to have to have you know met up with Kyle Beach. I, I saw the, the the tweets about it and how he he told Kyle to to call him Gary and I guess not Mr. Bettman. He tried to come across as more human and more of as a someone showing sympathy. I don't necessarily trust that much, and I could be proven wrong. I mean, I thought the investigation findings were not going to be as explosive as, as what they ended up being. I know that's a it, like that was a slightly different thing, but. I could be proven wrong about this, but I, I'm not inclined to believe that the NHL and the Blackhawks, who are still actively trying to fight this case, yeah. remember yeah. that, uh, are going to do right by Kyle Beach. And that's that's probably one of the worst. That's one of the worst parts of all of this is that Kyle Beach was so brave to put himself out there and speak his truth and let everyone know what happened according to his his own accounts, which is still very damning. And mm-hmm. he could still... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He still ends up in a fight where it's weird to say he could lose, but the NHL and, and the Blackhawks could still kind of connive against him. And it's just it leaves a kind of weird pit in your stomach, to be honest with you. So yeah, when I, when I see this with, with the way the NHL is handling this, like I, yeah, if I'm Kyle beach, I'm, I'm not sure how much faith I could have in the, in the system, but I guess I'm not Kyle beach. So. Yeah. I mean, the pub, the public relations aspect of this um, it still hangs over in the court of law aspect of all this still hangs over the situation. So everyone is still posturing in a way to protect themselves. And that's why I think a lot of that cynicism is there from you and from others and from me as well. I mean, I think there is reason for cynicism still because the court of law aspect, the public relations aspect, it all still hovers over this situation. It's still going to court. There's still, you know, attorney that's present for Kyle Beach and there's still a resolution that has to be met. But where I'm hopeful is the player's role in all this. I mean, I feel like the players have the ability to take a stand and I think they have at least the knowledge and the wherewithal to make that stand. So while I think the NHL is going to continue the, to, to protect the brand here, they can also, you know, show some heart, but the players can really drive change here. And I think that that's probably uh, where it's going to happen because eventually, you know, we still have competing aspects here and until that's all settled, I mean, that's going to be a consideration, um, but the players don't have that consideration. So it's time for them to step up, and, and, I, and I think they will do so. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a more hopeful look than I have. But I, at this point, like considering what the last few days have just been, uh, I would be happy to be proven wrong uh, with my cynicism and skepticism on how this will all unfold. Um, let's hope so. Uh, let's move on. Obviously, always a clumsy transition. Um, but uh, in the last few days, Morgan Riley uh, made big news with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a bit of a surprise announcement. No one was there to break it. Uh, no insider was on the beat here. It was Morgan Riley shaking hands with Kyle Dubas and a press release from the Toronto Maple Leafs. An eight-year maximum term extension worth $60 million, $7.5 million per year. And uh, as I mentioned, the max term will push him to potentially 17 straight seasons. As a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, he could be the all-time leader in games played. By the end of it, he could be the all-time leader among defensemen in points and assists and goals and all that. Perhaps he's got a chance to really drive his name home in terms of uh, legacy with an organization that's been around for 100-plus years. Uh, your reaction on Morgan Riley's extension and what it might mean for the Leafs? Um, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs were in a position where they kind of had no choice but to extend Morgan Riley. I understand that a lot of people... We're thinking he might be gone at the end of the year if they're trying to 
keep him under the cap and, and, you know, with the way that the salary cap is looking right now, maybe he is the sacrificial lamb or, Hey, maybe if the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a situation where they have to, you know, go in a different direction with the way that their core looks, he might've been a piece that they might've been able to flip. But I also think of the fact that so many teams in the last few months uh, have been flipping these, these puck moving defensemen and, and these, these high quality defensemen, they're not flipping, but they've been signing their own defensemen to all these big deals and if they lose Morgan Riley, who are they going to replace him with? Uh, there are not too many other guys out there who I think they would have been able to replace him with. So I, I think the fact that the Leafs ended up keeping him, it's kind of something they kind of had to do. It's just that the downside of it is, is that he and Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander account for an almost 60% of their salary cap. And it's essentially going to be those five guys going forward with a rotating cast of secondary players and goaltending as well, right? Like goaltending is not part of that 60%, you know, it, it, the trauma believes better hope this works. I mean, we've seen it with this core. It didn't necessarily work before, but they're really doubling down on the fact that they're going to make it work with this core for their sake. It better work because having 60% of, of their, having those guys account for 60% of their cap as of next year, it's 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 a bit of a concerning look for me. I just think it just you don't necessarily want to tie it up in so in like so few guys. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes you think that there might be a shoe that has to drop eventually. Now, Morgan Riley already makes five million, so only he's going to be making two point five million extra. Phil Kessel's one point two million comes off the cap, so this is really just an added one point three million. And of course, we believe the salary cap will be up one point three million or so in the next coming in the following years, like two two three years from now. So, I mean. It, it was definitely a manageable number. And that comes down to the fact that Morgan Riley was willing to accept a manageable number. I mean, if you're in the NHL nowadays and you're signing big tickets, if you can sign deals that are below market value, it, it's it's rarely a bad move, right? It might mean that something else has to, has to happen, but at least you got that player at that number and you continue to make decisions based on that. For, for that reason alone, I think it's a quality deal for the Leafs. And that's probably the reason he stayed is he's willing to make those concessions. While Zach Hyman was like, hey, I need this and this. And if you're not going to give it to me, then I'm going to have to go. Riley, it seems, you know, he wanted this and this. He wanted the security. He wanted maybe $60 million total. They were able to make that happen at $7.5 million. And that's really the difference in sticking around in the organization. Now, Mark Masters... Uh, shared a video, I believe it was, of the Leafs all celebrating the Riley deal because it was news to us. It was also news to the team. But mm-hmm. I kept thinking to myself during that, is there, there's there got to be a couple players in that pile that are like, uh-oh, what does this mean for my future? Because they all understand what it means um, that another $7.5 million is committed for eight years. It's going to require change. As you mentioned, you know, $60 million or, or 60%. I think it's about 75% with their top eight earners. And that doesn't include Jack Campbell. That includes Peter Morazic, who's supposed to be their backup. So, yes, there are going to be changes. There's going to be another shoe to drop because of this. But again, looking in the immediate term, yes, there might have to be something. Maybe you lose Alex Kerfoot. Maybe you take a step step back next year. But as you continue to try and piece this together in the years down the road, I think that's a valuable puzzle piece that Morgan Riley accepted $7.5 million. So it's hard to really quibble with it, even though you just understand that the Maple Leafs are in the situation that they're in. Exactly. But again, it, it has to work because we've seen over the last few years, especially when it comes to the first round, the core could only go so far. And we, we are, we can already, we've already laid out the fact that this year is a big make or break year for them. Or I mean, while the team, while 
CJ would say that not the internally it might not be the case. So CJ being Chris Johnston uh, on a previous episode of that show, but I think in terms of fans and, and the way that their apathy has kind of grown, it kind of has to be. They have to win a round at least this year. And if it doesn't work out with that, looking at next year, seeing that all those guys cost as much as they do, it is not going to be easy. And the, and the Leafs are going to have to make some kind of move to kind of just adjust and, and go for the future here. But you're right. I think Morgan Riley kind of has to stay within the fold. I don't think there were going to be two other op, too many other options for the Leafs to kind of replace him if they opted to let him go. So why not just keep him at a decent rate going forward for the next few years? It may not be make or break, but the truth of the matter is that they've missed their best opportunity to win. Morgan Riley is now a $7.5 million player. He is this year and previous years a $5 million player. And all these players that um, were so crucial have either left or make more money, making it a little bit more difficult to build a winner. I don't know if it's all going to come apart if they don't win a round. It's very possible they beat a Tampa Bay Lightning team in the first round and they're just outclassed and it is what it is. But we're at the situation now where it's only going to get more difficult and some players like Jake Muzzin, who looks ancient out there right now is still going to be earning five plus million dollars and not being as good as he was last year. The same thing could be said about Morgan Riley who might be past his prime years as well. I mean, I think he's going to age relatively gracefully. I think he's still going to be a good player, but his value will always be tied to the $5 million he was earning rather than the $7.5 million he was earning. So it's going to mean that, you know, every contract that Kyle Dubas signs, it just means more work that he has to get done from a penny-pinching standpoint. That's just how it is in Leafland. Yeah, and he has to hope that salary cap over the next few years is going to help him out a little bit too because we still live in a flat salary cap world for the foreseeable future. Okay, let's get to the Calgary Flames, who are off to... The hottest start, I think, in their franchise history, at least their best October. They've got six straight wins and two shutout wins in a row. They're 6-1-1 one, and one and atop the Pacific Division. They've only played two home games. They've been on the road for most of the season. Uh, to me, it's been Los Angeles Kings-esque, and there's obviously a connection there with Daryl Sutter. This is a team that had to build its team around the personality to, of its coach. Most teams go the other way, right? Most teams, okay, what do we have in terms of talent? Let's try to embrace that. With Daryl Sutter, it's like, hey, this is how we play in a Daryl Sutter regime. And we saw that there was a bit of a disconnect last year with that when he he came in and Calgary just played terrible hockey. But it seems with a couple changes, Blake Coleman, some bigger, tougher defensemen, that they can play that Daryl Sutter mold, which is downhill hockey, forechecking, and playing primarily with the lead. This is a team that has had the lead, I think, more than every other team except Washington, Carolina, and Florida, which have probably been the top performing teams in the entire NHL right now. But the key is with a Daryl Sutter team that while they're leading most of the time, they're not giving in to score effects. They just keep playing heavy on the forecheck and they continue to put up shots and shot attempts. Calgary looks really good to start. What are you seeing from at West? Yeah, like I, they, they look good. And one other aspect that's been really good, I was reading about this from, from Haley Sally, Salvian earlier this week, their penalty killing has been very good as well. Mm-hmm. So they have guys who are able to, to commit defensively and ensure that they don't get scored on the power play. I think that's really good for them. Another thing that's really interesting, we think of Daryl Sutter as this like grinding hockey side, like defensive and all that. They have at least two guys who have seven goals already to this point in the season. Like it, that's, that's pretty crazy to see. 
Uh, like Elias Lindholm is off to a really great start this year. So it's not even like they're not getting any goal scoring either. Like they're, they're, they're starting off really well. And I'm pretty surprised at that. I don't remember if I had Calgary as a playoff team in that division. Like I, 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 I thought Vegas would be running away with it here. I, I, I've looked at so many other teams, uh, but the Calgary Flames, I think are a big surprise, understandably with the way that they started. I mean, I thought it was going to be Edmonton Oilers were going to be the talk of the town, but the Calgary Flames and the way that they've started have also uh, have been worthy of, of, of talk and praise. And, if we're in a position where both the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers are good this year, the Battle of Alberta this year is going to take a whole other step forward this coming year, especially when the games start to matter way more later in the season. Yeah, I mean, the biggest test to a Daryl Sutter system would be uh, that high-powered offense in Edmonton, and and they're off to a tremendous start, too. I mean, I think the only reason Calgary's ahead is that they've played one extra game and have that one extra overtime loss. So, you know... If Alberta's strong, I mean, at least us north of the border, we know we're going to get some entertaining games down the stretch, and I think we're going to be circling the next one here on the calendar. You mentioned the penalty kill. I mean, the you know the most important penalty killer, as we say, is their goaltender, and Jacob Markstrom is off to a tremendous start as well. That's another you know comparison to those Kings in which they played so dominant in terms of puck possession and playing with the lead, but when they needed a stop, when they needed to hold things down, uh, they had Jonathan Quick in his prime back in back in the early 2010s, and Jacob Markstrom has filled that role perfectly to start this year after what was a bit of a disappointing year after signing that big contract in Calgary. So the Flames, certainly a team that we have to watch and another team that's going to make things hella difficult for the Vegas Golden Knights to uh, return to the to the throne that we thought belonged to them in that Pacific Division. Man, that Pacific Division at the beginning of the year, we were saying it was going to be easily the weakest in hockey. And to this point, I mean, we see the Vegas Golden Knights down in the bottom and they're trying to find their way back up. But I did not expect it to look as if it I did not expect it to look the way it does right now. And the Calgary Flames are a big reason why it's kind of muddied a little bit. I did not think they would be a playoff team. Then again, it's still really early in the year, but uh, good on them for the start that they've had. And the San Jose Sharks are playing very well as well. They lost about seven or eight regulars, still beat the Winnipeg Jets in overtime on Saturday night to improve their record to five and three. And I believe they're third in the Pacific as we speak. Now it is Halloween. So let's Oof. try to, you know, loosely base a segment on that. I want to know. You got Julian, costumes, you, right? You got, it's about costumes and being disguised and all disguise? that. Wait, you got a disguise back there? I, I got a mask. If oh, that yeah, helps. Luchador mask. Luchador I got a luchador mask. mask. I don't know. I mean, if, if you want to wear it for this segment, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you. I don't know. Let's, let's try to make things a little bit lighter. I don't know. Let's try let's, this. Let's out. see. Let's try this out. Okay. This could go. Let's go really badly. This could go really great, but why not? I, I wish I could pull podcast. a Mexican Mexican wrestler from my knowledge base, but I I just can't. So you're gonna have to take this uh, for me. But I will pose the question as you're wearing the luchador mask: Who in the NHL has the best costume or disguise right now? We've seen Buffalo and San Jose off to surprise starts. We've seen Carolina and Florida off to dominant starts. Are they really that good? And then we have Colorado and Vegas struggling. Like, who's who's wearing a different costume right now? Who's wearing a different mask? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this could be a really <laughs> bad idea, but I don't know. I committed to the bit. You sound, um, you sound good, so you got to go with it. That's all that matters. Um, I'll take this off before tire pumps. I'll, I'll yeah, say this. Probably. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's probably a good idea to do that. Um, I say it's – I thought about today. The Buffalo Sabres, to me, 
in terms of them being disguised and costumed, uh, they probably were in the best costume. The Buffalo mm-hmm. Sabres, think of them as like a meek and mild-mannered, like regular, like a Peter Parker type, right? Like nobody's looking at them and they're just, you know, just some guy. And then one day they get bit by a radioactive spider and all of a sudden they have one of the best records in the National Hockey League. And with great power comes great responsibility. So they're going to have to find a way to, you know, sustain that going forward. But it's awesome to see that the Buffalo Sabres have found a way to be a competent hockey team. Uh, Players like Kyle Ocpozo have stepped up in the last few games and have played more than respectable hockey. And it's very early, but Don Granato is probably the leading front runner for the Jack Adams trophy. He's found a way to motivate his guys to be in a position where they could actually win some hockey games and step up against quality opposition. This is a team that's beaten the Tampa Bay Lightning. And say what you want about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're still the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're still the reigning cup champions. Like this Buffalo Sabres can say they have that notch on their belt to this point this year. I think they're wearing the best costume of anyone because the costume that they have has given them the superpowers to be a decent team in the National Hockey League and not be this basement dweller that everybody thought they would be. I'll take this uh, mask off because it's very clear you're not taking this. You you laughed a little bit. Uh, this is <laughs> also this is kind of uncomfortable. Oh my I can't God. tell if you can see me. Like I usually I usually wait for your facial expression when it's like my turn to talk, <laughs> but I couldn't get it there. So that that was the reason for the delay is that I could not see whether or not you were done with your point. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm not. I mean, I, I can't even follow that. I mean, Buffalo is it's Buffalo. Buffalo is the one wearing the mask right now at 5-1-1. One, and one. They are wearing the luchador mask. They are the one that is playing a character because they are not an elite team, but they may not be that bad. So we'll give them all the respect and respect to you for throwing the luchador mask and having some fun after what's been a bit of a... Yeah, bit of a I, yeah you know, it's good to, you know... Shout out to... Um, I feel really bad because uh, I totally forgot the name of the, uh, the, uh, the wrestler who I got this mask from. Where did you get it? Uh, it's a really long story. Uh, okay. But uh, one of my good buddies uh, is, a, is a wrestler in Montreal, uh, part of the International Wrestling Syndicate. Uh, they do a lot of wrestling events out in Montreal. So, yeah, uh, I was able to get a mask from them. But, uh, yeah, the, the story of how I got that mask, I might not bring that up on the Yahoo Sports Hockey podcast. That's a long story. Okay. That's a, that's a story over my choice, PBRs, right? Yeah. Oh my God. We're not doing PBRs, dude. It would just get, get yourself some other beverages. You, you can, you, you, you don't need PBRs, bro. You don't need PBRs. This is not, only, not oh, at school no more. Only sophisticated drinks at that Halloween party last night. I, I take it. Definitely not PBRs. I saw Bud Lights and I was, I, I literally saw a dude drink a Bud Light. I'm like, respect yourself, brother. Like, don't do that to yourself, but PBRs, no way. Man, I'm fine with Bud Lights, too. Uh, Let's get into it. The tire pumps, obviously a difficult transition again, but I'm just going to give my tire pump to anyone involved in furthering and pushing the Kyle Beach story into light. I mean, Rick Rick Westhead, for me, deserves all the plaudits in the world, and I cannot say it better, possibly, than Kyle Beach said it himself when he thanked Rick Westhead at the the end of their interview. I'm not sure if that ran on SportsCenter. Um, I was writing about it at the time, and I may have missed that. But I believe your colleagues at SDPN played it after their interview with Rick Westhead and him thanking Westhead was, you know, just, I don't want to say heart wrenching. I don't want to say heartwarming, but it hit you 
like a ton of bricks in the fields. And, and it showed you just how important a guy like Rick Westhead is in this industry, because we are so focused here on the day-to-day with hockey and everything that's going on around the NHL that we can see with our own eyes. But what's happening behind the scenes needs to be covered too. And the fact that Rick Westhead is a full-time hockey investigative reporter for an outlet like TSN is so, so important. So I'm going to give my tire pump to Westhead, TSN, Beach, everyone involved. I'm sure you're going to echo that statement or that sentiment, um, but who else are we giving it to this week? Uh, there is someone else who actually is deserving of a tire pump. And uh, Rick West had mentioned it in his interview on the Steve Dangle podcast. The 17-year-old, uh, the high schooler, who was unfortunately uh, mm-hmm. abused under the hands of Aldrich as well. Uh, Kyle Beach himself, uh, during the interview with Rick, you know, he when he apologized, uh, it was to him. And he also said thank you, because if it wasn't for that story, he might not have mentioned his own story to everyone else and rick mentioned that uh the high schooler was as far as we know we do not know their name um he's he's been in contact with their family and he's not going through the best of time understandably uh he's somebody that that high schooler is somebody who needs a lot of that support kyle beach it's a lot easier for us to throw that support on him because we know who he is he's also a former nhl player and us as nhl people it's easy for us to kind of throw our weight of support around him. But right now there is a, another victim who is not known by anybody. And I'm not just talking about the fact that they're, they have not revealed their identity, but they are nowhere near in stature in terms of celebrity as an NHL player and their whole life, their whole life and their whole family life has changed forever. And they do not, they have not received any of the support that Kyle Beach has had. And that's not an indictment on everybody else. As I explained before, with the way things unfolded, it's natural that we threw all of our support at him. Uh, but Rick West had made a very good point that we also need to find a way to uplift this other victim as well, because both, uh, both of them, Kyle, Be- Kyle Beach and the high schooler, went through an unspeakable unspeakable and just disgusting acts uh, at the hands of a terrible person. And I pray it doesn't happen in those circles or to anyone ever again. And it's just important that we support that high schooler in Michigan as well. Yeah. An unthinkable amount of hurt was left in the wake of Bradley Aldrick. And this is where the NHL can make things right. Right. This is where, Hey, maybe they were, um, completely um, separate from all this. Maybe they had no, no, no role, nothing nefarious. Maybe they should have been more in touch with what was going on, but you know, perhaps they weren't, but this is when you can step in and you can take care of families and people who are affected by someone who worked at your company and committed and use the power and leverage from working at your company to do these heinous things. So that's where the NHL can step in. And hopefully, as we mentioned with my tire pump, those like Westhead and Strang and Pope can continue and more. Everybody, honestly, we, we talked about everybody being involved here and everyone's going to be involved moving forward here. But holding their feet to the fire, the NHL's feet to the fire and making sure the people that have been hurt are given the resources that they need. This is where the NHL can make its first steps and inroads into finding a solution here. 
Absolutely. I, I should mention, I think the abuse happened while they were a high schooler. I don't think they're a high schooler anymore, but they have been characterized as that. But in any case, uh, yeah, I think my uh, tire pump is going towards them. A deserved tire pump. Julian, uh, let's wrap it up there. I will see you on Zone Time this week, and I will see you at the Yahoo Sports Hockey podcast next week. It was uh, good chatting as always, man. Yeah, man. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. And peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.